How's about we write some more stories? How's about we tell some more tales? Gather round the fire, maybe read for just a while, and we'll listen to the stories unveiled. Oh, we'll see if we succeeded writing stories no one needed from suggestions that you shared. Hello, and welcome to S'more Stories. My name is Colby McHugh, and it's been a while. It's It's been probably about a month or so since I've uploaded um, an episode with a guest, of course. Uh, if you if you have not, uh, please go listen to the Story Spotlight episode that I released a few weeks ago. I think I think it's pretty fun. I don't know. I don't I don't want to speak on my own accord. But yeah, I think it's pretty fun. Um, and so uh, even though I haven't uh, uploaded an episode with, uh, with a, a friend, a guest in a while, uh, that does not mean that stories have not been written. We've been working on stories left and right. I've completed so many things and writing is so easy, which we'll talk about <laughs> in this, co- this episode's conversation. Of course, uh, the secret of this podcast, which I'm learning as I continue to do these, is that it's really just an excuse to to force friends of mine to a hang out with me because I'm lonely, and b write stories because writing stories is fun and so easy. And on that note, <laughs> I would like to welcome this episode's guest and my good friend James Louise. Hello. Hello. Howdy. That was a that was a that was a long intro. I'm sorry for that. It was a good one. It was a good one. Yeah. All right. So James, it's. So good to have you. You uh, are somebody that uh, I've met a, a decade ago at this point. Are we old? We're that old? Yeah. In college. And we've mentioned in other episodes that it's important to have a, a community of people around you, friends that you can bounce ideas off of, send stories to, who you know will actually read things of yours. And you have been somebody like that in my life for pretty much that whole time that we've been friends. And so, again, this is an excuse for you to come hang out with me <laughs> and talk about stories. So I'm so glad you're here. I'm very elated to be here. And honestly, it is never a task to read anything of yours. I'm always very honored <laughs> to get to do that. Quit saying nice things about me already. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. As writers, you need someone else to give you the compliments because inevitably we will hate our own work. This is so true. And that's something that I do want to talk about <laughs> later in this episode because, uh, you know, how you feel about your own work is is something that I think a lot of creative people deal with. Um, but before we get to that, before we get to our actual stories, um, like like with our previous guests, I always like to kind of dive in uh, to your past and and learn more about kind of your, your, almost like your origin story with writing. Like, was it something that you were interested in at an early age? Did you find out later in life that you liked it? Tell me about it. Well, I was always writing like fiction and stories, narratives, since I started being able to hold a pencil, I suppose, in kindergarten. Everyone else was learning how to read, but I already knew how to read. And so I was sitting in the back corner by myself, just writing little stories about pandas. And I can't wait to hear your panda story later in this episode. Don't worry. The uh, the computer hard drive crashed, I think, from LimeWire. <laughs> so we're it's been buried as it should be. Do you uh, do you remember the the very first story you ever wrote? Yeah, I think that was it. It was the, the panda, panda story. story. What happened to this panda? I it was 
Don't tell me it died. It definitely did not die. I don't think I knew what death was at the age of four. <laughs> but it was honestly traveling through undeveloped China, just like along the Great Wall and stuff. Sounds political. I mean... Injecting politics in your stories at a young age, huh? <laughs> I don't think it was... I think it was just like in the time of Mulan. <laughs> and I was obsessed with Mulan as a kid. So I was, I got very into studying Chinese culture from a very young age, which is, I mean, also kind of left in my past, hmm. <laughs> but. Very cool. And, and so that continued in, in, in through high school and, and in college we met, uh, which I think it's, it's funny to mention the class that we met in because it was an acting and directing class. Oh, I don't know if you remember. I do now. And. I am not an actor nor director. <laughs> and, and so the fact that I even took that class is very funny to me in my head, knowing myself. Um, and this was, I think, before I even knew that I was interested in writing. And I feel like we met some some interesting people in that class. And I'm grateful for it, even if I don't ever want to act or be in front of a camera ever. <laughs> yes. No, I don't think I would ever choose to be an actor we had a lot of talented classmates in that class. Yes, we did. And a lot of them did not even end up going into film, which is a travesty. Yeah. We stuck with it, though. Yeah. Do you remember Melissa? Yeah. She yeah, was yeah. so talented. Mm -hmm. There were some legit actors in that class, and it made us feel bad. Wildly incompetent. <laughs> Very incompetent. You directed me for one of the projects. Listen, if we can find that footage anywhere... Burn it? <laughs> Never. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on a VHS and save it. Put it in a, in a safe and vault and have it forever. Um, because uh, I also had to act at some point uh, in that class, and I don't remember there being video of it. No, thankfully. I remember the highest grade I got was for the segment I directed, which was very validating that I should never be in front of the camera, <laughs> always behind it. And you, you know, speaking on that, like you've worked in production, you you have some experience in that, which is also cool, you know, using your film degree. Yeah. Can't say I have that experience as well. I'm one of the rare. Um, you know, you, you, you've been up in New York for, for a little bit. You're, are, can we talk about where you're moving? Is this? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know what, what's, what's, what's a secret and what stone, is, what so. is not, but, but you, you're kind of, you know, in the process of, of working in the industry and doing your own writing in the process as well. And, and so I, I think it's, I think it's cool. I, I, like I said, I think it's important to have people in your life that, that you can send stuff to and that you can feel confident that they will at least put eyes on it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like that's so hard to have. And, um, and so I think your story is, I'm, I'm very excited because you've also sent me many things that you've written in the past and um, I've always really enjoyed it. And so I think, I think the topic that you chose uh, or that you, you gave me a couple and made me choose, actually, I should say, um, which is on brand for you yeah. as well. <laughs> um, but would you like to reveal... Aggressively the, passive. That, is, that feels right. Is. Yes, yeah. aggressively passive. Um, <laughs> which Reveal which topic you, you made me choose. The eerie feeling before a storm. A it's big a, storm? Sure. We'll say a big storm. Kind of irrelevant. But that eerie feeling before a big storm... Um, which was actually submitted by the one and only Brittany Wyland. There we go. Thanks, Brittany. Um, very appreciative of that. There's so many good topics in there on there's that so list. Many. And I'm so grateful for everybody that has submitted topics. Um, there's some good ones in there. And so you sent me a few different options. Um, and I think the one that I wanted to choose was the other one. 
but I wanted to give myself a challenge because I knew that 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 an eerie feeling before a storm was going to be a difficult thing to write about. And turns out I was right. It is hard. <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> is it? Um, and and we'll talk about obviously we'll talk about our experiences after we after we read. But um, for this episode, we discussed before we started recording doing something a little bit different in the in the storytelling portion. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to switch reading yes. roles. Like we, you read mine, I read yours out loud. Uh, why? I mean, it's always so hard to listen to your own voice, but it's harder to listen to your own voice reading something you're already critical of. Oh, interesting. And sure. So it would. I figured it would be a little interesting. Also, it was a personal challenge to make sure that I was punctuating everything the way I would want it to be heard. Yeah. And that is that is interesting to think about too cuz you're you're not looking at it. You're not when you're writing it, you're not thinking of it as oh, I'm just going to be the only one reading this. Right. You have to like oh, I have to make sure somebody else can understand kind of the the cadence of, you know, a sentence or a, a dialogue or anything like that. Absolutely. Um and so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how how that feels. I'm totally down because I think the the idea of of changing stuff up for the podcast is fun and it's my podcast so yeah if you're mad about it who cares you can do whatever report me um so um on that note would you like to go first would you like to read my story first or would you like me to read your story first i, I will always let the guest choose traditionally your story goes first there are no traditions on this podcast that's true Let's this is our, our fifth or sixth episode or something so you're a young 30 something. You can do whatever the hell you want. Don't tell them how old I am. You're a young septuagenarian. You can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But I'm going to make you choose. I'm going to be uh, aggressively passive and make you choose. You can go. You can read my story. I'll read your story. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, any Anything that you want to say about your story before we get to it? Does it have a title? Nope. Cool. Uh, there's no there's no <laughs> expectation of a title. I always just ask because sometimes, you know, one comes to you in the writing process and you attack it on. The intro actually is pretty similar to an assignment I had in middle school. It was like a warm up for creative writing. Oh. And it was something that I've lost, but I remembered being so proud of that piece of writing. That it lodged Honestly, itself in your brain? It did. But honestly, in my opinion, what I wrote for this does not hold a candle to the quality of seventh grade me, which is... I don't know seventh grade you, and so um, I will not pass judgment. We will definitely chalk it up to false memories. Hmm. <laughs> that it was not as good as I am recalling. See... You're doing what we do, what we do as creative people and what we have, how we've complained to each other many, many times over the years. Um, and I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to allow you to say mean things about yourself on this podcast because <laughs> many times uh, you would force me to say something nice about myself before you would read something that I've sent. And I'm grateful for that. And now I can return the favor. So none of that. It, I, I did hate this piece until this morning. Hey. This is the positive coming in. Came around to it. And then I reread it and realized that maybe I just needed to have some verb tenses be the same. Sometimes a tense is all it takes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, that's that's all that's all you need. Now it's in semi-proper English. Hey, it's a choice. No judgment. Yeah. Um, all right. 
You ready? There we go. All right. I'm going to read uh, your story. The topic is that eerie feeling before a big storm, uh, and then we'll discuss. The heat bears down, but that's nothing new for a summer day in the South. This day, however, carries that electric buzz, the static charge of impending doom despite the slowest of mornings. Like holding your breath as long as you can, the pressure builds at the base of your skull, warmth seeping across your temples as your head feels light, but your limbs feel something. The starting line of a race, waiting for the gun to pop. That's the sky above me, and here I am at the merciless hand of the hurricane finding its way through the gulf. The porch swing creaks as I pull and push my feet against the rotting floorboards. Back and forth, back and forth. Sitting on the nearby rail, my glass beads condensation threatening a drip. Come on, come on, I goad the perspiration. At last, a drop runs down the side and pools a ring at the base. Having seen the riveting event to completion, I finally look up. The barely clouded sky of late morning has quickly turned overcast, with deep purple looming on the distant horizon. Even the sun's warmth seems to drain, albeit slowly, like the blood of a recently deceased. A chill creeps down my spine as a gust of wind pulls my hair. The screen door starts its inevitable banging, a relentless sound until it's latched shut. Taking my cue, I stand from the swing, grab my glass, and head inside. Just as the door's hook is secured in the eyelet, a new gust rings through the wind chimes, a howl chasing the fields beyond. There's not much to do on days like this. The windows have been shuttered, the carriage house battered, and I'm pulled back to a sense I haven't felt since I was a child, like I'm being watched. But I know I'm alone. Ghosts haven't been a reality since middle school, yet the feeling won't shake. With foolish caution, I tiptoe through the foyer, peering behind the parlor door. Through the kitchen, but fuck knows I'm not unlocking the basement. I may not believe in ghosts anymore, but I like to think I've kept my wits about me. Hello? I call into the ether. So perhaps not all my wits about me. Silence. I move to the base of the old staircase. Hello? The shout directed upward. A creak sounds from a room on an upper level, and the chill I felt before becomes absolutely frigid. Shit. Shit, shit, shit. I know it's stupid and contradicts every claim I've shouted at a horror film screen, but my foot lands on the first step as I find myself climbing toward the sound, all reason seemingly left at the door. The top of the stairs brings no more solace, and again, I find myself calling out. Is anyone there? But there's no movement. Flush reddens my cheeks, aware of my own childish antics. This house is ancient in the family for generations. There's going to be creaks here and there. It's just the house settling. And though I make a convincingly logical argument with myself, I find the prickling of my neck only sharpens. The light beyond the shuttered windows dulls, and I know the storm must be close, maybe an hour out. Peeking through the slats, the treacherous outside is transformed once again. Dust kicks down the unfinished driveway. The overgrown grass whips along the road. The sky has turned greenish, and I have no doubt a tornado siren looms in our future. I move to the back room with a purpose hunting down the old crank radio slash flashlight. On my hands and knees, I peer under the bed, but it's not there. A ferocity in the wind rattles the shutters against the house, the wails vibrating beneath the door guards. Okay, perhaps a half hour out. Suddenly, the old chandelier flickers on. I don't care what 13-year-old me believed. That chandelier hasn't turned on in over 20 years, and I know there's someone or something in my midst. 
As the shutters pick up to a deafening pace, my feet scramble through another old door, race up an even less cared for set of stairs. Charging through to the door at the top, I land in the attic and the door closes behind me, causing a vacuum-like silence to fall. It's nearly pitch black except for the beam of light, casting haunting shadows over the dust-covered contents. My eyes adjust and the picture comes into view. Sheets cover old furniture, shelves stand against the walls, lined with games ranging from the late 1940s to abandoned 1990s. It's been ages since I've been here. Fond memories with cousins, building forts, and telling scary stories well past bedtime. Indoor camping adventures with my father before his passing. Sharing hot dogs with grandpa over a camping stove on rainy afternoons. In hindsight, a dangerous call on his part. I wonder, grandpa? But the response is silent. I roll my eyes at myself. Christ, my marbles may truly be gone. I rub my face, hoping to bring some sense to my present state. This house is getting to me. I trudge to the corner, housing old camping supplies, and open the box labeled flashlights. I grab the pink one. Dead. Green. Dead. Blue. White. Emergency light bar meant to be in the boot of my dad's car. Dead. Naturally. I revisit, unscrewing the battery compartments, to find each crustier with corroded alkaline than the last. With a sigh of defeat, I grab a box of matches and light one of grandma's archaic old lanterns. The wick catches and casts light on an old radio, though notably not the one with a flashlight, tucked at the back, and the Ouija board that was never played next to it. Resigning to my fate, I pull them both forward and take them to the center of the room. After fiddling with the knobs, the radio crackles to life. The box to the game lifts off with a shake, freeing the dust to dance around me. Jeez Louise, I used to be obsessed with this thing. I'd bait anyone that got close enough to listen, to try and play on days much like this, but no one ever bit. And in the case of my aunts, I'd often get lectured on my idiocracy for even bringing one into the house. Ultimately, it was grandmother that banned me from future attempts, exiling the board to the attic, insistent upon me never playing it. But she's dead, God rest her soul. And if this storm is promising to take me to meet her, I'll at least bring a story with me. I pull the board out of the box, place the planchet in the center, track down a few more candles, and light a scene Hollywood might define as a seance. The mood is set with the added benefit of the radio crooning an old ballad. With a deep breath, I lightly rest my fingertips on the planchet and spell out, hello. A simple, non-threatening start. A flash of lightning makes my grandmother's seamstress bodice dance in my peripherals. I whip my head, but it's still. The storm is still too far for the thunder to crash. I count to myself, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four, all the way to 30 before the faintest rumble graces my ears. Returning my attention to the board, I focus on how I can unveil the spirit's identity. Again, my fingers move the planchet. Grandma? I wait, my fingers still on the game, feel no resistance. My heart is like a hummingbird's, the anticipation almost painful. I can feel rusk breath behind my ear. Tears smart the corner of my eyes and another door slams on the floor below, causing me to jump. A whimper escapes my throat, but alone, scared, and stupid me moves the planchet once more. Grandpa? The planchet tugs. Fuck. It's pulling my hands frantically around the board, not landing on any letters, no yes, no no. The radio's volume crescendos, the shutters pick up, slamming cacophony against my eardrums. 
The candles surrounding me dance on high charge. My arms are cold, but my blood is burning. This is not a happy ghost. Who's there? I shriek. It stops. The board is still, the radio dead. Even the flames have stilled to a soft flicker. I swear you can hear the dust settle, but only for a moment. In the blink of an eye, the storm has arrived. A flash, simultaneously crashing thunder. One by one, but somehow altogether, the candles extinguish, as if blown by the devil himself. The board flips, wind pushes through the roof panels. A shove at my back pushes my chest to the floor, and a hand rips my chin to the side, facing the radio. Tears, now flowing freely, burn my cheeks. I can hear the tornado sirens, pained cries through the southern plains. I say my final prayers as, as the radio crepitates back to life, and... More wretched than nails on a chalkboard, a cackling horror taunts me. It's not your grandmother. The end. The end. All right. That was your story about an eerie feeling before a big storm. How do you feel about it? Well, we talked about how you feel about it now. How'd you feel about, how'd you feel about the process getting there? Let's talk about it. ADHDers need a deadline. Sure. Uh, is this something that you you struggle with? Yes. Okay. It's not even necessarily a struggle. It is just everyday life now. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote the first thousand odd words in an hour. Nice. I, I, I wish I had that I had sometime. texted you complaining about the story, actually. <laughs> and then I just cranked it out in the next hour. And that feels good. When yeah, you when you like does. get a big burst of words out there, you're like, oh man, I'm good at this. Yeah, and then you reread it, and you're like, oh, I am bad at this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So okay, so you mentioned that this concept was something like a, a warm up story that you remembered kind of vaguely from middle school. You said yes. So <clears throat> how did it feel, kind of rediscovering that idea? kind of in a more modern way, like 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, I remember the seventh grade story actually was more of a nostalgic, lazy morning. So it really only applied to the first paragraph of this. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Just a little bit of, a, of an idea. Exactly. You know, you it, it wasn't of... even an impending storm. It just kind of was the mood of being in an old house in the South on a lazy day. Yeah. And so an the, old creaky house. An old creaky house. It sounds yeah. terrifying, for sure, because I remember living in old creaky houses in the South Absolutely. myself. Absolutely. Yep. Even though Atlanta is far more urban than the rest of our state. Yes, it, I didn't always. We didn't always live in live in Atlanta. I was I lived yeah, out in the no. country for a little while. But even my experience living in Home Park, sure, where some of the houses those houses are so old. Yeah. Yeah. Still are. <laughs> yeah. Some, um, I think, were from the 1800s. Oh, my God. Maybe? No, so, that must be a lie. Which are guaranteed to be haunted, right? Like My house was haunted. Legitimately? Yes. Tell me about this. This is a good time to talk about this. <laughs> I always sound a little crazy. Uh, I do no, relate to the I, I will reserve judgment. <laughs> I relate to the character a little bit because for the longest time, I'd convinced myself that ghosts do not exist, despite being an avid ghost fan sure. as a child. You were also raised Baptist, so... I feel like that kind of shades supernatural stuff in our mind. In my we brain, were very at least. liberal. Oh, <laughs> when it came to religion, what was that like? I'm just kidding. <laughs> my parents knew they had no 
true hold over me. Sure. Sorry. So you were adamant that you were like, I don't believe in ghosts. Yeah, it was more, I think, the science in me trying to clarify. The rational. Yeah, the sure. logic yeah. coming through. You're an adult at the ripe age of 13. You should not believe in ghosts anymore. And then I move into this house in Home Park in my third year of college. And it started. It was spoken of that the house was haunted mm -hmm. because it was one of those homes that was passed down generationally through groups of friends everyone's just sharing the same lease yeah uh, i love i love places like that yeah they're so good yeah. they have so much character and you don't have to move any furniture it's amazing yes and i with my sleep deprivation i very rarely dream one of the housemates, this was actually prior to me moving in, but I was staying with one of the current tenants. She was out of town, so I slept in her room. Inevitably, the one that would become my room later is the haunted room. Oh, so lucky. So lucky. I was unaware that it was haunted at the time. They did not tell me until much later. Well, no, you don't want to tell them when you move in. Like, of course. Come on. But I remember having this very, very vivid dream. I was walking past a hallway that had old family photos on it you know the black and white ones that your grandparents wedding oh yeah and there was this couple you couldn't see the guy's face it was almost like my point of view cut off right at his shoulders and his hand was on the shoulder of his bride spooky and all of a sudden a voice goes in my ear and it goes hannah and i wake up and i felt like i was being watched and truly, I had never experienced that before. I thought that was something made up on ghost shows. And I was getting picked up to go to an event three hours after that. But I was wide awake. I had nothing to do. And I couldn't even move to go do anything because I was so convinced there was something in my room with me. So I laid there for two and a half hours waiting to get picked up. Oh, man. That is yes. scary. That was my experience. Yeah. With it. Months later, another girl's in the room next to me and she texted saying, Hey, how long has Kim had a boyfriend? Um, I don't know, buddy. Why are you asking? She's like, I don't know. She's she's had this dude in her room for a couple hours now, and that's fine, that's chill, whatever, but kind of random I'm glad it's cool <laughs> like but just kind of random because i've never heard her have any guests let alone a dude and i was like mm, yeah kimberly is currently with me and no one has been at the house oh my god in over a day oh you are oh my by god. yourself <laughs> the call is going from inside the house <laughs> truly <gasps> and she was like i don't vibe with that i'm leaving so that Whoa. was just one another i had been Prior to moving into that room, it was still Kimberly's room. I was across the hall and crashing in my room for the summer. I wake up one night and Kimberly is in that room. I said, hey, you currently live here. Why are you in my room? She said, the ghost choked me last night. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? She's Whoa. like, I woke up. I could not breathe. So I came into your room. Of course, of course, of course. Oh my naturally. god! Whoa! 
I on it. What we concluded was that she was just so bitter that her house was being disrespected that the three of us, the girl that had texted me and Kim, myself, decided to deep clean this house. Um, so probably 20 to 30 years worth of Georgia spring pollen caked on the porch. It took us weeks. Yeah, I bet. We were standing on top of the counters in the kitchen taking can lids, scraping the grease off of the top of the cabinets. Just imagine your worst kitchen in a deep Southern comfort restaurant, just scraping. Scraping fat. And off so of this the was top. this was your attempt to appease yes. her, the ghost. She didn't bother us after that. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. I feel like like that sounds legitimately scary. I feel like I am a little bit jealous. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I would I would maybe, you know, I've never had any kind of supernatural experiences myself that I can think of at least. But it sounds interesting. It was pretty I interesting. Can't, I can't lie. It I sounds do. scary for sure, but for sure scary. Yeah. But she didn't throw anything. She was not. She just choked somebody. Oh, that's true. I forget that she choked her. <laughs> just that. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, that you owned a Ouija board as a kid. I did own a Ouija board. And so, as a kid. so in this story, you had some autobiographical elements to that yes. as well. Did, did you have weird experiences with that too? No, I n- I never got to play it. Oh, you just had it. But- I truly never got to play it because I was not stupid enough to play by myself. And nobody would play with me. It was a glow-in-the-dark one from Toys R Us. Oh, that's I actually so card. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But, I mean... I was like, man... Don't do that, don't do that alone. Like, no, of course Obviously. not. You made the right choice. And I wasn't going to do it in my house anyways. <laughs> yeah, of course. You don't, wanna, <laughs> you don't want that thing to stay there at your place. Absolutely not. No. But no one would go to the graveyard with me. No one would let me play it in their house. You were you were a weird little kid, huh? I was a weird little <laughs> yeah. kid. <laughs> like, just hanging out in graveyards with your glow-in-the-dark Ouija board. Yeah. Um. So, so like, in your story, obviously, like, you're pulling elements from, from your own memories and your own world. Was it is it weird to, like, fictionalize that? I think if I were doing a retelling of my past, it would be kind of weird making yourself that vulnerable. But truly, I only pull tidbits. Sure, yeah. And kind of quirks as opposed to retelling actual tales. Totally, yeah. And I think that's that's the cool thing about stories is that you can just take like a a sentence or like an idea from from something and then turn it into its own its own thing and make it completely unique and I think that's fun the fun part about storytelling absolutely um, one thing that that I don't think I've really talked about much on the podcast but Brittany has specifically mentioned that we should talk about it more and I feel like there's nothing better or there's nobody better to talk about this with you is that writing is hard <laughs> writing is so hard <laughs> honestly starting writing is what's hard yes. for me yes same just Having 40 billion ideas and getting so excited about each of them and calming down enough to form one cohesive thought is the worst. Yes. And then get trying to get that idea typed out. Truly. Is so difficult. And and it's not something that I like shy away from necessarily in the podcast, but but it is something that like I think needs to be mentioned. Like writing is hard. Like getting started is really hard. And then once you kind of like like you mentioned, you can write a thousand words sometimes and just kind of word vomit out a little bit and that feels so good and so it's it's such a battle of like trying to get through that initial hurdle and then being able to like get into your story and find kind of your words and where you want to 
dedicate stuff to. Absolutely. Um, I think that might be my character flaw is only writing word vomit. It's just panicking endlessly until I have absolutely no more time to delay and then writing whatever I can, looking back, being like, huh. Oh, did yeah. you finish this this morning? I did. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it takes the last second. Yeah. I like deadlines too, so I'm with you as well. Um, and I, I I rewrote my story multiple times. Did, did this one come like in just those two spurts? Like your, your thousand words and then yep. 500 after that? I've never written a second draft of anything. Wow. Editing's hard. I'm, it's not something that I, I'm good at. It's something that I'm trying to do more with this podcast because if I'm writing so much, I might as well try to make them, yeah. try to change stuff sometimes. But I, I'm kind of like you in a lot of ways. Like if it, I think also when I, when I write, I tend to like stupidly enough edit as I go. So I do like the That's, opposite of word vomit. I do and it's sometimes like edit as pulling I go. teeth sometimes for me, and it sucks. And I wish I was better about just kind of letting things go. <laughs> what would you say are your biggest edits? Will you do severe story changes while you're writing? No, it's just like sentence structure and like how it reads, which is so dumb. <laughs> like I just need to like not worry about that. And then I, I can always go back and fix that later and just, you know, worry about getting the story out there. But that's kind of a, a, a mental hurdle for me <laughs> initially that I'm getting better at, I think, the more I do this podcast. But um, but it's hard, you know, and I think I think while I definitely want to use this podcast to encourage everybody. Like everybody should write, everybody should do something, like tell a story, however you want to do it. But like, it can be hard sometimes. And I think it's important to acknowledge that too. People always say, if you're a writer, you must write every single day. Oh my God, I hate hearing that, but. Huge, huge props to those of you that actually can do that. Yes. Well done. Yes. You are better than us. Come on this podcast and tell <laughs> yeah. me how you do it, please. Because <clears throat> that's something that yeah, talk. <laughs> you hear a lot among like, you know, uh, like, you know, people who know writing, they always say like, write every day, you know, get a few pages every day. And I've tried, like I've, I've done my best and there, I can probably do better, but like, it's really hard. It's really hard to, to have that consistency. And, you know, with, if you've got jobs and a social life and you know, family and loved ones. And like, it's it's hard to, to just balance everything. And so it's definitely something I want to continue to work on with this podcast. And just, this is a good excuse to just be, always be working on something That's true. as well, which I appreciate. Technology um, does make it easier. Yes. With the benefit of Google Docs, <laughs> shout out, uh, you can be on your laptop. And then if you are in the middle of your day with five minutes, you can just add to a story. Yeah. That is beneficial. I need to be better about doing that too. I do love Google Docs. It is, it's so convenient and helpful as well. Um, with with your story, I know, do you, do you tend to like more like spooky stuff? It is October. So this story is very much on brand for the time period that we're in right now. But just from your, from like what you enjoy consuming, I didn't, I didn't know if you were into horror stuff. Weirdly enough, I don't necessarily watch horror and I don't read horror but anytime I write something, it definitely starts airing on the side of spooky. Sure. I'm very into psych. I've always been a psychology nerd. Yeah. Psychological thrillers are always a favorite of mine. I, th I think I feel like I have the same kind of tendency. Like I always, I want to try to branch out and try different things when I write stories, but they all kind of tend to go a little bit more on the darker side. Not like pitch black or anything, but like. You know, yeah, a little spooky. I feel like drama is one of the easier 
ways to write, whether or not that's true. But I always find I have a harder time when I'm writing comedy outside of the first person perspective, because otherwise I just get to be my natural asshat self. Yes. But when it comes to writing drama, I don't necessarily want to fall into the eye roll melodrama. I've never felt natural doing that. It's very easy to do that. You essentially just picture your drama teacher and what she would like or he. And you write to that audience. Yeah. It's very easy. You can almost make it a mockery, unfortunately. And then it works anyway. I just feel like a jerk when I do that, though. But, however, when when I add the psychological aspect to it, I think it almost adds a layer of... Maybe it is part of my past growing up loving ghosts and stuff. Sure. I mean, it can be both. It can be, you know, part of your past, but also, like genuine interest like huge additional huge props to the people that can write drama seriously it's hard like you're right like writing drama feels like you can kind of bs it you can cheat it but like but yes writing something like comedy is like difficult (laughs) like and and it sucks because i like trying to write jokes and put jokes into things and so i apologize for if there are jokes in the story that you're about to read (laughs) um but uh, but yeah, like I think there's such a, a higher like standard in your mind when you're like, this is this only funny to me? Also, <laughs> that's the ultimate comedy, question. Comedy can be so formulaic. Yeah, big time. That finding your own voice within that genre is complicated. But drama is formulaic to a sense that you almost know how to set your beats and you know which punctuation to use to pull out the length of a sentence and just seems a little maybe that's just because i grew up being a dramatic little you can cuss on here (laughs) i was like being a dramatic little fuck (laughs) hey i won't bleep that out there we go (laughs) naturally all right well after um butchering your story with my reading out loud which as a listener you won't know because i'm editing it um but also how we talk about writing is hard reading out loud is hard Are you ready to read my story? I'm petrified, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I I don't don't really have much to say uh, about it ahead of time. Um, I do have a title for mine. I was this morning as I was just kind of rereading it and looking over it again to make sure that I still was okay with it. I was like, I'm going to come up with a title. Because I've had, I think, one with a title throughout this whole series so far. And I was like, I'm going to come up with one right now. Bold. Uh, It's hard. To do that. But I was like, I'm going to commit to it. So um, I'm calling this story The Cozy Void. The Cozy Void. Yes. Should I share with the listeners the title I have? Yeah. The story or whatever. I should have included that when I shared it with you, but <laughs> that's alternate title. The Cozy Void. The Cozy Void is the true title. Yes. Are you ready? A deep rumble off in the distance interrupted Marlowe's brutal rendition of He's So Vain with a sour note. She already couldn't sing a lick, but that didn't bother Edie one bit. Edie was kind like that, just enjoyed listening to her soulmate's voice, and still did after 40 beautiful years together. The rhythmic rocking of their houseboat brought an ease to the sunset they were watching. About two and a half glasses of wine in, Edie in particular was feeling buzzy and relaxed. Storm's coming, 
Edie said as she kicked back in her seat on the deck. My bum knee always knows. Been that way for, oh, let me guess, about 15 years now, Marlo mocked with a gentle smile. Edie, how many times have I heard you say that? Don't matter anyway. Of course a storm's coming. We just heard thunder as it so rudely interrupted my singing. You want me to go kick that thunder's ass, Marley? She asked after a long sip from her glass, standing and shaking a fist at the sky. They'd spent so much time on the water that even a few drinks wouldn't rid Edie of her sea legs. Nobody interrupts my baby singing, you hear me? No, no, you don't have to fight nature herself on my behalf, though I do appreciate the sentiment. But if a storm is on its way, we might better head back to the docks. No need to get stuck in the gunk, right? Yeah, yeah. Can I finish this glass, though? I just poured. Another rumble off in the distance interrupted Edie. This time, though, the boat itself seemed to vibrate with the sound, forcing Edie to grab onto the railing to steady herself. Jesus, Marlo said, rising from her own seat to help her wife back inside. That was... That didn't feel like any thunder I felt before. You okay? Oh, I'm feeling fine, Marley. Don't you worry about me. Let's get back to the dock. Maybe get ourselves some Waffle House or something. I need greasy food to pair with this delicious, tasty, delicious wine we've got here. Can you function while I maybe lay down for a minute? Marla laughed as she led Edie down the narrow stairwell into the cabin. I've been steering this boat for a while now. I think I might have the hang of it finally after all these years. Rest up. Marlo got to work, turning the boat around as Edie laid on their bed, hoping the spins wouldn't get to her this time. She knew closing her eyes would welcome the spin cycle, so Edie instead focused on the small stack of books sitting on her nightstand, constantly waiting to be read. Miles away, deep beneath the surface, the ancient, colossal creature that caused the deep rumble was moving through the depths with speed. After bursting through the mantle and then the ocean floor, cracking the tectonic plate, it sensed thousands, millions of living things dancing with life around the sea, but two in particular stuck out. It sensed in these two beings, fear and love, placed deep beneath the Earth's surface by something older than humanity itself, trying to escape every second of every day since. The beast called to its new quarry, sending shockwaves that reverberated outwards for miles, eventually striking the lonely houseboat making its way back to the coast. Marlo gripped the railing and felt the vibrations. Couldn't have been thunder, she murmured to herself as she pushed the houseboat faster. That felt like... No. Marley, what's going on? Edie said, suddenly appearing in the doorway. Sorry to spook you, but no way this is a storm. Not a cloud in the sky, and that sound, it came from under us. You felt that too? Marlo asked. Shit, I was hoping it was a hallucination. Nope, Edie said while looking over the railing down at the water. You ain't lost it yet. Something dark and immense passed underneath the boat as Edie stared downward. You know, I might have spoke too soon, Marley. This thing go any faster? It'll be pretty choppy, and I don't want you to get sick after... 
Another roaring boom interrupted Marlowe, violently shaking the houseboat from below. Edie, who'd been standing near the side on her wine-wobbled legs, toppled into the quaking water with a yelp. Marlowe cried out and slammed the boat to a stop, desperately searching for signs of her wife and seeing nothing but vast, unending ocean. Edie, Edie, come on, she yelled with no response, finally grabbing a life jacket and diving in. Edie had always been the stronger swimmer, so Marla knew something was terribly wrong for her to not be near the surface. The water around her thrummed and began to heat rapidly, like being enveloped in a vibrating electric blanket. Going against every warning, her body screamed. Marla dove under the surface and was shocked to find her wife floating about 15 feet down, unmoving. A scream was pulled from Marla's mouth, forcing her to take another gulp of air before diving back down. As she attempted to pull Edie by the arm, Marlo felt resistance and saw that her eyes were actually wide open, staring down into the black depths below them. The darkness threatened to engulf them as Marlo struggled to pull Edie upwards when suddenly, a vast eye opened from the depths, big as a football field, maybe two or three even, with no signs of an iris, just an endless pupil that seemed to be pulling them downward, pumping her legs and arms to no use, Marlo gripped Edie as she felt herself drift farther and farther from the surface. Terror and adrenaline filled her veins, and she noticed that Edie had a blank smile on her face as she stared into the eye. The water around them vibrated and warmed once more, and Marlo felt a rhythmic thrumming that seemed to convey a comfort rather than a horror. That warm blanket just felt right. Marlo felt any fear melt away as her gaze found the endless eye pulling them closer, same as Edie. Out of the growing haze of her vision, Marlo could barely see the miles-long tentacles and other contorted limbs on the other side of the eye. Marlo was reminded of her grandmother's electric blanket that kept her toasty and snug as a child, and finally closed her eyes and let her body relax as the darkness took them. She awoke with that exact same feeling in a bed, their bed, Next to the still sleeping Edie, Marlo brushed away some of Edie's bedhead and kissed her cheek. Morning, sweetheart, she said. Last night was... Hmm. Do you remember anything? What's that? Edie groggily said. Got drunk, slept great, yet not hungover? A Christmas miracle, you... Marlo gazed out their window into the calm morning water for a long while before finally answering. Nah, don't remember a thing. Must have gotten tanked too. Hey, you like books. I got a weird question. You ever read any Lovecraft? I try not to read stuff by horrible races, so nope. Edie laughed. Why'd you ask? No reason. Come on, I'll make you some coffee. And reading is hard. Reading is so hard. Reading is hard. But nobody knows that. Nobody listening knows that. They just heard the most perfect read of any story they've ever heard. Amazing. That is the cozy void. The cozy void. Yeah. By Colby McHugh. By me, Colby McHugh. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I came around I to it. I enjoyed it. I rewrote it. I think three times. Like fully, like I wrote it almost fully. Really, I think two times. And what were the other versions? So it started out in a forest, and I knew 
with the concept of the eerie feeling before a storm, I was like, it's not going to be a storm. <laughs> like in my head, I was like, it's not going to be a storm. It's going to be a fake out. And that was kind of my starting premise. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, maybe it'll be a forest and it'll be kind of spooky. And then I wrote pretty much the whole story and I was like, the forest is boring and not scary. And also I think Evan had wrote a story kind of spooky set in a forest. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to change it up. And so I wondered to myself and I was like, what is scary? The ocean. Yes. The ocean is terrifying. And so I think I was like, I was just going to change it over to, to, you know, put it in the middle of the ocean and maybe that'll be interesting. And so I wrote almost the entire story of that. And I was like, I still don't like it. <laughs> I still don't like it. And I think I, I still had the concept of like a giant kind of tentacled creature down in the depths of the ocean. And in my head, I was like, oh, that's just Lovecraft. But I was like, Lovecraft is also kind of lame. Like, I'm not that interested in Lovecraft. And so I, in my head, what kind of brought the story together was uh, I wanted to do like a kind Lovecraft, <laughs> like kind Cthulhu was in my head, like, like a big giant, like terrifying ancient monster that was like not the bringer of destruction, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that, I don't know if that came through in the story. And it, because it definitely is like still pretty scary. Because any kind of, I think in my head, a giant creature in the ocean is going to be terrifying. But I was like, I don't want them to die. I don't want anything to bad bad to happen to them. As I was reading, I wasn't sure if it was meant to be taken literally or like a dream. Because both of them could theoretically have fuzzy states of mind. True. True. I don't even think I was necessarily going for the, well, for the like not straightforward ending in my head it happened <laughs> like it actually happened and you know some sort of like in some way the the creature i didn't go into like lore or mythology of it although that does sound kind of fun um you know somehow like got them back in their bed and not like carried them physically with its tentacles or anything i didn't think about that but tucked them in yeah just very sweet <laughs> fed them some had some breakfast for them ready in the morning yeah <laughs> um no i didn't really think through it too much but i just knew that i didn't want it to, i wanted to be like pleasant yeah. and i really i had a lot of fun with the characters i thought they were really fun and thank you for for adding the <laughs> the, the 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 uh accents in there which that's how i heard it in my head because i was writing it that way and you're also just better at reading out loud than i am that is not true yes it is shut up <laughs> you're gonna um, find out in the edits <laughs> you're gonna be like wait never mind uh, and also i think I, like i i could feel my my natural leaning towards it being like dark and spooky and i was like i gotta fight i gotta fight against that yeah you know and so i almost wanted to give it like a pleasant ending what tipped you off the eerie and the prompt that could be it no spooky yeah but i think i wanted to start off with it kind of eerie because again the ocean is a terrifying place that i don't necessarily want to hang out in that often at least that that deep out in the middle of nowhere i love the beach but but yeah i thought i thought the, the characters were fun and I think the concept, the the topic itself is vague enough to where it makes it hard. <laughs> like it's it's not so specific that it makes you think of a certain thing, but there's so much to do with it. There's so many things you can do with that topic that I think could fall under like generic. I mean, that's hard to find something that it's like interesting to me, at least. That's how it felt. I like the creative route you took with this kind of not taking it literally as a storm. You can definitely tell that this podcast has benefited you. You've been <laughs> you. exercising your creative writing and it's really paying off. Well, it just forces me to try different stuff because it's like, 
I know the stories that I've written for this podcast and I know the stories that everybody else has written for these pod- for this podcast as well. And so it's like, oh, I don't want to do something that's already been done. Mm-hmm. And so it does kind of make me get creative a little bit. And, you know, I do always like going the weird route on stories. Like I don't I don't normally do a lot of super straightforward, like, I don't know, normal stuff. I don't know. That, that's weird to say normal stuff, but. I think I write more to the feeling. In what way? Instead of readers like watching what's happening, I think some of my subconscious objective is to make them feel like uh, they're in it. Sure. So it's all about creating the like the world. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because I think my stories almost go the opposite. Like it's like dialogue and story. Like that's those are the things that I enjoy writing. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's something that I will continue to work on in future stories as well of like maybe I can do more feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're both, they both have their benefits. Totally. And I think the the fun part about this podcast is that you only get a certain kind of range of words yeah. to, to play around with. We both went over the thousand word mark. It's fine. You're still invited back. <laughs> Don't worry. Sick. But yeah, I think that kind of having that kind of limit helps a little bit because it yeah. you're like, okay, I, ha- I know what I have to do within these, this limit in this range. Um, which is also kind of intimidating as well in the same way. How was the title, The Cozy Void? The Cozy Void definitely brings context to the ending in a way that probably would have been a little harder to decipher. Yeah. Again. It definitely would have been no questioning whether or not it was literal or a dream-like state without the title, I would have assumed. Yeah. Oh, she was dreaming. Mm-hmm. Classic old ladies in the South. Yeah. And also, yeah, we we we're from the south. Sweet old ladies are are great. Sweet old ladies, like, they're are just great. so nice and fun to write dialogue Absolutely. for. Like that was that was the real fun part for this. And I I, I think that's just the thing that I enjoy in in stories. You've written old people's dialogue very well. Thank you. That's something you've done for a while now. If they do tend to pop up in stories, um, because I think it's an interesting subject to read about too. You used it for the anthology. I did. Oh, that's something that we didn't even mention in the beginning. Hudson. Mm-hmm former alumni of, of S'more Stories. Um, I think we put we mentioned it on his episode, but we put out an anthology uh, a few years ago at the very beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. And um, when we were thinking of, of trying trying to get people to submit stories, you were like one of the first people that I thought of when we were doing that, and you have a story in that anthology. So for anybody listening, I want to put the that link in our show notes so you can find an extra story by James. And to your point... My story in that anthology does have an old lady in it who was also very fun to write as well. In keeping in character, I wrote that very panicked, very rushed. That's fine. On my phone to my commute to work. Whoa. On the subway. Two commutes. Hey, wherever inspiration hits you. Yeah. You know? And now you have a published work. No, in a cool we book. have published works exactly in a very cool book. It does look awesome, and I highly recommend anybody get the book. It's great. It's a good coffee table book for sure. Totally, and people are going to ask you about it, and then you can brag about it and be like, "Oh, hey, you should also listen to the S'more Stories podcast." And maybe down the road, we'll release an anthology for S'more Stories. The world is we've, the oyster. We've got the content, and we'll have lots of content because I plan on doing many more episodes. But we'll see. Future is scary. Sky's the limit. <laughs> Sky's the limit for sure. A lot of lot of fun ideas down the road um, to mess around with, but um, I think these I love both of these stories. I think these these were these were the fun part about this podcast is having different ideas, and I think 
we both approach to this topic in very different ways. And I love that. So I think it's time to jump into some story spotlights. Stories that you have consumed at some point, doesn't have to be recently, um, uh, that you want to recommend, that you want somebody else who's listening to to have th- something to to take away from this if they hated our stories, which if they did, don't don't listen anymore. You're not a fan. But we want we want you to come away with something. And and if that is just a good recommendation for something, that counts. Yeah. So do you have anything that you, you know, want to make somebody consume? I do. Uh, it's been on my want to read for the last few months. I read this book, I think, in elementary school, but the Transall Saga. I can spell that. T R A N S A L L Saga. I don't remember anything about this book except for loving it as an elementary student. It's about, to my knowledge, a kid that is hiking kind of in the desert. It's almost like a Boy Scout situation, but he's doing a solo hike. And he gets transported by a beam of light to another dimension. I'm in. And it's about him figuring out how to get back. Love it. Yeah. It's a series? No, it's just a one-off book. Okay. To my knowledge. All right. Is it long? I always have to ask. Not by a grown person's definition, I would say. See, that's that's a sliding scale because I don't feel grown. (laughs) I technically am. What? is long i don't know like a thousand words or something oh it's like a full-on book it's not it's definitely more than a thousand words i mean not pages, a thousand, thousand pages. pages sorry no it's probably around ooh, fourth grade it was a long time ago oh it was that i didn't even catch it was that long ago <laughs> maybe 200 pages don't worry about it because it felt long for dumb question i'm gonna cut all this anyway <laughs> it felt long for elementary school but i don't think it was very long because i did finish it for for a child's attention span Yes. Yeah. Um, that sounds cool. I, I feel like, did they ever adapt that into anything else? No. That feels like it could like make for a cool movie. I'm surprised they didn't. TV show, something like that. It's, it's, in, it's in the works. Watch it be like this whole thing out there that people are very big fans of. We're going to get a lot of mail from from physical mail and email, of course, from yes. our many, many thousands of listeners uh, writing in for us as well. So I'll let you know what, what, what they say. Thank you as well but um that sounds cool i i love that why why is that the choice the story you chose to recommend i honestly don't know because i've discussed with you earlier i am on my 57th romance novel of the year after reading zero books last year zero the previous year and six the year before that say that again how many romance novels this year 56 completed 56. novels read <laughs> i that's so many books even in like 10 years I'm so impressed. That is like, I can't say I've ever read a romance novel, but I'm impressed nonetheless. They're like rom-coms when you want to make the characters come to life, Um, if that makes sense. With, I'm not going to finish that sentence. (laughs) With porn. (laughs) No, because when you're talking about romance novels, it's like, you know, you can make the characters come to life. life, Love that. That's what... That is such a quality pun. That's where my brain went. You'd think with the amount of sexual intercourse I've been reading about, (laughs) I would have had that pun (laughs) right in the old noggin. But no. I'm glad I said it at least. Love (laughs) it. For the appreciation. And, you know, again, this is my podcast. So we're making t shirts. (laughs) (laughs) 
for it. Once you hit 60, it's going to be a big, big milestone. Absolutely. How quick do you read them? Like, it what? very much depends. Okay. My friend recommended this one series. And prior to reading these most recent five books, I'd been reading one every two to three days. Wow. Yeah. But then. I'm so impressed. I mean, I've had a lot of life events going on, so sure. that also could have contributed. But the, these last five books, I think each of them took me a week, which is a very normal pace for reading. But I felt so defeated. <laughs> You're like, I'm going so slow. <laughs> I felt so defeated. God, it was it like takes me like pulling teeth. months to finish a book. I'm a slow reader as far as novels go. I read a bunch of comics. I've mentioned that on the podcast before, but um, I need to get back on it. I need to get back on the get get better about reading specifically. With reading, I would definitely recommend the easiest book you can palette because that's what I did this year after having not read in so many years. Sure. I read a young adult novel that, wow, maybe I'm just very nostalgic lately. I've read it in eighth grade. Aren't we all? We're all I think we all got a little nostalgia <laughs> in us. Reliving elementary and yeah. middle school. Um, but I reread that book to get me out of this reading slump and it just kickstarted everything. That's awesome. I, I've never thought about doing that, like reading an easy book just to like get back in the groove of it. That's super smart. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's really cool. And obviously it worked. It worked. Because you've read 55 after that. Yeah. And the book was maybe 100 pages, breezed through it. And I reminded myself, you can read. Yeah. You can read. And they then, and then I brought you back on this podcast to read out loud. And that's a whole yeah, different story different. that we've learned. Not great. <laughs> no. It's okay, though. I think that I like that we did it for this for this episode. It was fun, even though yeah. reading in the process is kind of a nightmare. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's whenever you have an audience. Yes, an audience of one who read who wrote the thing that you are now reading. Absolutely, as well, which is very scary. Because I read this out. I read mine out loud. Oh yeah, to make sure I, I that always it sounded do. Correct. Yeah, and I hope I hope I hope that I did it any bit of justice while I read it. For my story spotlight, I'm going to keep it really quick because yours is much more interesting. I'm actually going to plug. Uh, an episode that I did uh, for my previous podcast uh, recently. I, d I brought back a, a Cellar Dwellers episode um, for a, a horror movie that I saw uh, earlier this month, or maybe last month, I think, uh, in September called Barbarian. I loved it. I thought it was amazing and would have loved to have talked about it for this podcast. It's very dark, very gory. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. I'm not gonna spoil it for us. But because I wanted to talk about it so much, I resurrected the cellar dwellers. I did an episode on it just myself. Talked about it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend go listen to that. I'm gonna put the the episode in the show notes as well with our anthology that me and James both have stories in. Um, so check it out. I, th I think if you're into horror, go see Barbarian if it's still in theaters around you. Um, but be prepared. <laughs> There's some stuff in it, but I loved it. Um, so that's my story spotlight. Got some good stuff to go check out. Very different. <laughs> concepts of what we recommended but uh but again that's the beauty of this um so uh, before we go is is there anywhere that people can can find you if they want to like send you stuff or hear your funny takes on things <laughs> you can say no we can just we can we can have people avoid you as well i'm fine with that i do love reading things of other people's yeah um i suppose Boyfriend James is my handle on anything. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, and I'm 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 with her. Like I love reading people's stuff. Like it just makes me happy. It makes me feel good that somebody wrote something and then asked me to read it. Like that feels like, oh, it's a, okay, great. 
you at least trust me in some way and, and want to share something vulnerable with me. And that's cool. And so send her stuff. <laughs> I'm notorious with a red pen, so be warned. Yes, she's she's given me many, many, many good notes uh, throughout the years of, of sending sending stories your way. And um, and I appreciate all of them. You always ask me to like eviscerate it. And I'm like, yes, tear it apart, please. It makes me feel good and bad at the same time. <laughs> I need to know if I should have my writing utensil ready or yes. if I should read with a pleasant distance. The answer is always <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, tear it apart. Because, uh, you know, as a writer, you want somebody to tell you if something is bad. Absolutely. <laughs> or good. Like, you want you want somebody to at least give you some feedback. And so you've always been really good about that throughout the years. And, and I think it's, again, start going back to the very beginning of this episode, it's important to have somebody like that <laughs> around and, and somebody that you can just bounce ideas off of and stuff. Um, so hopefully you enjoyed hanging out, writing a little bit, writing a story. Loved hanging out. Loved writing. Hopefully this can kickstart, you know, some some creativity for you because I think that's the fun part is like finishing something. It definitely did. Feels good, right? Absolutely. That's something that I kept hearing from your podcast in particular was people <laughs> just being so excited about, oh, I finished something. I want to go write more. I was like, yeah, sure, nerds. <laughs> it feels like I'm doing something right if somebody, if somebody says it's that true. on the podcast. is like, oh, then I've I've done something cool if somebody else wants to to continue their creative journey, you know, because of writing a s'more story. And that's pretty cool. It gets you excited about something that you had to remind yourself that you once loved. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, totally. It's like, because it, the process itself is daunting and yeah. it feels bad in many points throughout the way as well. And so to be reminded that there's like something, a good feeling at the end of it. Right. It's something to look forward to always. And I think that's, if, if you take anything away from this podcast, know that like there's something good on the horizon, right? Like, Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a good way to to end this this episode but thank you for 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 hanging out and coming all the way down from new york city just to do this <laughs> thank you for having me you didn't just happen to be here worth the plane ticket exactly, exactly. southwest baby um <laughs> don't sponsor me you are you are more than welcome to come back i would love to have you back i would love to write more perfect i think that's that's we're building a community of people here and i think that's that's the fun part and, and it's a trove of prompts there's some good ones in there, There's right? So many great ones. Yes. I also wrote, as mentioned, I sent you a few selections and from which you selected the actual topic. I there were wrote, some good ones in there. I wrote to the other ones. Really? I don't know where they are. You, I think I wrote them on my work laptop. You better send me those. Which I had to give back. No. And also, I'm pretty sure NBC owns them anyways if they were written on company time. NBC, if you're listening, we need those laptops back. They're property of S'more Stories <laughs> podcast. Either way, that's, yeah. again, that's so cool that, you know, you saw other topics. You're like, I want to do something with those. It was very good warm-ups. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's something that I want to, like, do more of, but I, I'm trying to save the topics. I was going to ask if great. you are waiting. I'm or waiting. You... There are specific ones that I'm like, I hope somebody chooses that one. Uh, and honestly, like the episode I did with with Hudson, he he chose the one that I was like, how would I ever write a story about that? <laughs> if you're if you're unfamiliar, listener, it's the glory hole at the old folks home topic that uh, I love those stories. They were great. They were really fun. And I, Hudson's story specifically was so good. But like that. There are some, there's some gold, there's some treasure in that topics list that, you know, hopefully you'll hear from. And it keeps growing. Road. And it continues to grow. And so if you're not already following uh, the S'more Stories Instagram or me, Colby McHugh on Instagram as well, 
um, I'll, I'll periodically reach out for more topics. Um, so be sure to, to check those out because I always want weird stuff. Weird stuff is fun to write about. Thanks for listening. I appreciate everybody being here. Uh, if anybody wants to send me stories as well, um, the email address for this podcast is smorestoriespod at gmail.com. I'll give you notes. I'll send you ideas. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to discuss uh, stories and writing because that's why I started this because it's fun. So I'm not joking about that. James is not joking, joking about that as well. We're nerds about this. <laughs> We're nerds. We're masochists. We are also masochists. Yes, that's a, good, a better way of putting it. But thanks. Thank you. Bye. S'more Stories is brought to you by the Indiesaurus Podcast Network, which is home to not just one great podcast, but tons of them. Maybe you're in the mood for a, let's say, a Hamtaro watch-along podcast. How about a show that's doing a detailed deep dive into the famed Left Behind book series? Well, you're in luck with Ham Radio and I Survived the Rapture, just two of the many great shows on the Indiesaurus Podcast Network. And oh yeah, The Cellar Dwellers is on there too. Follow us on Instagram at S'more Stories Pod or Colby McHugh. I'll reach out on there for topics periodically, so be sure to submit your best and weirdest. And if you want to follow along with the episodes, feel free to send any stories you've written to s'morestoriespod at gmail.com. Whether you want notes or just someone to put eyes on a story, send it my way. Music and lyrics by Evan McHugh, whose great songs can be found anywhere and everywhere. Go buy them. Logo design by Brittany Wyland, whose work can be found at mess.and.magic on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everyone, and stay toasty.